Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Proud to Work in Cannabis podcast. And so last week, I was down in Miami with Ian Dominguez, the founder and chief investment officer at Delta Emerald Ventures, investors in banks and tons of other great cannabis companies. Ian has now thrown two conferences called the Canna DataCon. It was an even bigger success this year than last year. I know I got a ton out of it, as did all of the founders and other operators that were down there. So Ian, congratulations on another great event. Thank you so much, Carson. Ian, tell us about why you decided to start Canada DataCon back in 23. Let's start there. Sure. So uh, in many ways, it's a response to, I think, some frustration that I felt in going to, I can't even tell you how many of these cannabis conferences, where I felt like a lot of the same things were being said. And it's also this feeling where people are up on stage just waiting for their minute to talk. And I feel like that's not a good use of anyone's time. And the last part about this is I I detected uh, more often than not a little bit more chest thumping, let's say, than I felt was appropriate, because we know that there are challenges in this industry and you're not going to solve them by just acting like everything's okay. So the whole purpose of CanadataCon is to share best practices, both as operators and technologists in this industry, so that we can work together to try to solve some of the industry's most meaningful problems. One of the cool things about this conference in comparison to some of the large ones was that it's more small and intimate. And so, you know, you um, for, to kind of set the scene for people listening, at, it's at a boutique hotel in Miami Beach. The the session rooms are kind of right by the pool and you're mingling <laughs> at small tables outside. Most of us don't live in Miami, so it's an excuse to get down to some warm weather. Is your thought to keep it... Um, you know, tight and intimate or grow it uh, to something larger? Some of the strongest feedback that we have gotten now for two years in a row is that people love the intimacy of it. So just to give you a sense of sizing, year one in 2023 was 78 people in person and 356 online uh, participants, uh, audience members, let's say. And then in 2024, We increased from 78 to 145 in person, and the online component was went from 356 to 665. So almost doubling on both. But I think based on the feedback we're getting, I don't really see us blowing this out. This is going to be next year, I'd say max 200 people in person, and that way we can keep kind of the the organic element of this. So it's it's easier to really get to know people. If it's not fifty thousand people like like uh, some of the other conferences, absolutely. And and so, Ian, one of the one of the cool things about this year in comparison to last year was you had operators there. And so, on my panel in the front row, there was folks from Cresco Labs there. One of my favorite panels that I went to, you had Dennis O'Malley, who's operated. Uh, lots of businesses in the space talking about discounting. And so what made you decide to turn this from a conference with, with mostly tech founders, mostly founders and folks running ancillary businesses to inviting the operators to join? Because I think that was a great um, addition to this event. Yeah, thanks. So that that was direct feedback that we got. And we're constantly trying to improve this thing. I really wanted to take on a life of its own. and And so 
um, to get maximum benefit for the people that we really are most focused on, we got this feedback that we'd love to have more operators uh, who are the ones actually using this technology or are coming up with new approaches to, as you mentioned, discounting or how to manage one's inventory. So uh, it made for a much more complete discussion this year, and it's definitely something that we're going to build out for next year as well. So let's get into some of the meat of the conference. Obviously, you were you know, bouncing from panel to panel. There was a ton of great content. For you, as you over the weekend reflected on everything that you heard, well, if there was a key takeaway, you know, as you think about writing your newsletter to your team or the recap, like what is the takeaway in your mind from this conference theme going into 24? So yeah, a few, just to level set, the way we tried to structure this conference was day one was more about driving sales as a retailer. And then day two was, okay, you've driven more sales. Now, how do you drive profitability in your uh, dispensary or in your organization? Uh, I think my my high level takeaways is one, uh, this work that needs to be done, these meaningful problems that need to be solved, they're not going to get done on their own. And that what was really encouraging about what we saw at the conference is that you have people from all different sides of this industry hearing about a problem that we all agree is a problem. And when people can bring their version of or their thoughts to how to address that problem, I think it makes for a much more complete answer. So uh, I was very encouraged by the amount of cooperation. In fact, that was a key element and theme of this conference is that we can cooperate to grow the size of this pie together. This is not something where everyone has to fight in their own foxhole and be intensely competitive with one another to get ahead. This is not necessarily a zero-sum game, and most things in life are not that way. A couple other quick ones. Um, I have to say, hemp beverages are uh, extremely topical right now and something that we are very bullish on. And uh, I, I got uh, a lot, uh, a kick out of the engagement that we had in that particular panel on day that one. That was the one with um, the folk, the Wolfmeyer and... Uh folks, right? Um, that was like uh, Anna Ray. Uh, no, that was, so that was, uh, later in the day. Uh, okay. that was, that was, that was with wonder and yeah, Anna Ray. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. But, uh, we also had another panel that was talking about making the switch from right. cannabis to hemp, which is a very important topic. And, and the key thing I want people to take away is that ultimately it's the same cannabinoids that we're talking about. And so the people right now that I don't agree with are trying to make this an us versus them. The right. hell with that. That's not the case. We are all in this together and we can be aligned on this and, and, and driving safe access to cannabis to whoever wants it. And so I, I will immediately take the opposite side of anyone that tries to drive a wedge between these two industries because we're all working for the same thing. Yeah, I did. I definitely did feel like that was a common theme around the collaboration. You know, what one thing that you've um, talked about to your companies and you spoke about in some of the panels and keynotes you were giving was people that can consolidate and get deals done, you think will get mm -hmm. ahead. So we saw people in your portfolio like 
Zoltrin and Happy Cabbage come together. And I know that you, you believe there's more of that to come. Any Anything that you want listeners or folks considering doing a deal or merging or, you know, aqua hiring or, or things like that to, to be thinking about as we move into 24? Yeah, I mean, this is, you know this better than anyone, but talent is actually the scarcest resource in this industry today. And so right now, my opinion, our opinion is Delta Emerald is the name of the game is to amass the people that have real uh, tenure and uh, solid experience in this space. There are going to continue to be people that come into this industry that from, from other industries, say alcohol or, or tobacco or uh, retail, name your pick. And I love that. I want to see more of that. But in reality, it is not just like someone, as you probably know, someone can't just jump into this industry and immediately be effective. You have to build relationships in this industry. And so the people that have been going after that for years, they are really valuable. And so when you think about acquisition and where we are in this industry, we're entering a phase where I think the people that can get everyone rowing in the same direction under one vision, the way that uh, a number of companies I think so far have been able to do, that's that's what future, uh, future investors that are doing work on this industry now, who have never invested in this industry, but are currently doing research, I, my opinion is they're going to be looking for those leaders that are able to get people under one roof and to, and to work towards uh, a single vision. I agree with that. And even when I was looking around the conference, right, there's a lot, there's still a lot of companies that, you know, that you might not need so many companies, right? You might not mm-hmm. need so many different technology providers, right? Totally. I was, you know, that was one of my takeaways, even just in having, you know, sidebar conversations, right? You, you speak to people that said that they have X amount of runway, um, and then I was thinking in my mind, okay, these these things are pretty similar. Right. If you can combine them, you don't need three different accounting departments. You don't need exactly. three different sales forces. You don't need so you probably could be profitable if you could combine a few of these things. And so I thought that was cool for me seeing people talking about you know bringing their teams together. And I don't know that that would happen if the industry was flush with cash the way that it was in, you know, 18 and 19. So this could actually ultimately make the industry more efficient in, in the long Absol- term. Absolutely. And there's plenty of precedent for this kind of thing happening in, in other industries. And when you take a step back, if, if I'm just going to speak for uh, from the perspective of the service providing landscape, and maybe if you want to go even deeper and talk about tech, I mean, by our count, there are at least 150 service providers to the cannabis industry today. And that's probably too many. There are a lot of what we call point solutions. And uh, there are a lot of companies that look more like features rather than standalone companies. That doesn't mean that they don't need to exist. It just means that they might make sense folded into a larger organization. And there's a lot of value to be had for teams that are able to uh, kind of confront that uh, and, and acknowledge it and then make something good out of it rather than try. You don't have to go it your own way for this whole journey. It's really hard being a founder, a, 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 a founder, co-founder or a single founder in a company. Um, so, so having more minds together on one thing can actually be a, a really beneficial, not, not to mention from a, a profitability standpoint too. I completely, I completely agree. And I agree with your, 
thoughts around the folks that can get it done and be the consolidators. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the those are the leaders of the space. I also agree with what you were saying, and I think this was telling at the event too. The people who have been in the industry and have their relationships and know the space, I mean, everybody thinks that they can jump into cannabis. You and I went to the alcohol conference, mm-hmm. and right, like we spoke to people that just thought like, oh, you just copy paste alcohol into cannabis. And uh, one of the things that Dennis said on his um, panel around discounting, he was like, you know, people move into cannabis from whatever industry, and they just think that they take the same copy paste playbook and it literally doesn't work. I mean, think about how many probably hundreds of millions of dollars have been wasted on trying to copy paste other, other strategies into cannabis. Easily. It's a good, it's a really good question. We've never thought about it like that, but it's at least hundreds of millions of dollars that have been completely torched. Uh, Assuming this is where you get yourself in trouble to make an assumption rather than really feedback from the marketplace. Would you pay for this thing? Is this valuable to you? Or are you just grasping at straws or throwing spaghetti at the wall, as they say? It's a really easy way to lose money. And this industry does, cannot afford to, to do that kind of behavior anymore. And that, that's where we're going to see stronger companies come out of this. And by the way, this is not just happening in cannabis. If you talk to anybody in early stage investing right now across VC, a lot of companies are looking at themselves, at their peers, trying to figure out what are they going to make work or not. And not everyone's going to make it. This is a natural part of the development of an industry. One of the, you know, I went to the, one of the sessions around that, like the Q&A with the Delta Emerald team. And I think a lot of the people that were at the conference are going to need to raise capital. And so people were saying, you know, as investors and with a leading fund, what are you looking for? What is going to get you excited to write a check in 2024? I'm sure you get pitches every day around people with a wanting to raise. So what are you guys, you know, we talked about it at the conference, but what are you guys uh, looking for and where are you going to be writing checks in 2024? So I'll I'll let the audience in on a uh, very simple uh, approach and and, and I wouldn't call it a secret. We've talked about this probably before, but literally the first question that we ask a founder is tell us about your very first customer how did you discover they have a problem and, and and what did you do about it? Because you would be shocked how many founders, when asked that question, get back to uh, telling you a story about how they knew there was some problem and we're like, wait, 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 but did you actually talk to anybody about it yeah. or did you just kind of just assume? And so so that's, for people yeah. listening, when I told Ian that I flew out to Colorado during college <laughs> and went uh, dispensary to dispensary, and got them to pay $500 to hire someone through Graduana. That was a sufficient enough answer. But I agree with that. The amount of people out there that just like literally don't speak to customers. It's like, what do you do all day if you're not talking yeah. to customers? You're in a you're in an echo chamber. But anyway, continue yeah. going. So the so first thing you say is, did you find a customer? You know, I, I'll tell you one thing really quickly. I heard this the other day on a podcast and I was like, I love this. Uh, they talk about pre-selling. And so what they're, what the, one of the suggestions they had was, you know, this is more for existing businesses. Before you launch a feature, have a prototype, show it to a customer, see if they get excited and say, will you, will you prepay just a hundred dollars? 
That's mm-hmm. it. Just a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. We're going to launch three months, but will you pay a prepay a hundred dollars for this? And the amount of, like the amount of people that, you know, maybe you're going to charge a thousand dollars for it, but if they'll just prepay a hundred dollars, so you have some, a lot of people just won't do it. So it's like, wow, you won't pay the hundred dollars now for us to go build prepay. Why should we build this? So I really right. like that. And I think we could have saved a couple million dollars. Hate to say this to an investor on some products that we've done over the years that, you know, if we just would have asked a customer, will you prepay for this? We probably wouldn't have built it the same way. But anyway, yeah. um, so, so you, you ask these, you ask these folks, who's your first customer? Say they get through that. So, then what? Yeah. So, um, now I, I will note, like, as we look to 2024, there are some, some big themes that we think are really important. So, this concept about consolidation in the space, uh, it's just, it's gonna continue. That's, it first started with the operators, but it's also happening on the service providing side of things. So we will continue to, uh, I think, affect those types of deals. Uh, and and so um, it's, that's, that's an area that we think is, is a ripe for opportunity. Uh, also, um, hemp, is a huge, huge category, and and uh, you, you know you have a relationship with Bo Whitney. He uh, would be the research I can currently point to on this subject. But uh, according to his estimates, and he could be off by a factor of two, and it's still big. He's saying that hemp is as big today as cannabis. So thirty billion is yep. as big as thirty billion. And again, he could be off by half, and say say so, hemp so is fifteen, 15 billion. Yeah, it's still huge. So um, there's there's a lot going on in the hemp world, and and we have already made some investments uh, in that space, and I absolutely expect that that will continue. And uh, yeah, so those are so those are two major buckets to think of. Uh, and then the last part I don't want to forget about is um, you know we some of our first investments were in let's call them plant touching operations. Uh, to be totally open with this. That's been the most difficult part of our portfolio. And I, I think the same could be said of anybody who's been investing across the industry. But we're not uh, giving up on plant touching. There are some learnings that we have out of it. Um, and I think we're just getting smarter about how you place a focused bet on that space. Uh, so so those, those are a couple of the buckets that, that we're focused on. And the last like overarching point is focus is critical. Doing a lot of kind of shiny object syndrome is very dangerous from an investor standpoint. It's dangerous for a founder's mental well-being. Yeah. And so uh, we, we, we really avoid companies where it feels like they're trying to do too much because that's, that's not the type of industry we're in right now. You know, another thing that I, you and I have talked about and it came up and, and you kind of mentioned it on this podcast already, but it came up at the conference is just like the, the long-term mindset. I think part of the problem that a lot of people went through in this industry, I would even put myself in this bucket, is like you raise this round and, you know, you're expected to 10x in the next year in an industry that just was not Mm -hmm. 10xing in the next year. And so people had these like wrong expectations of how long they were going to be in this industry for. And so I think if, if, if I was an investor, I would be saying to people, are you in for the next decade on this thing? Totally, yeah. Because... And I would, if I was a, if I was a raising a fund, I would be saying to the LPs, like, this could be the best fund you ever invest in, but you're not going to get a return in three years. So if you want to do that, go invest in something legal. I don't know what. There's plenty of legal industries. There's plenty of legal companies, legal funds. Like, this is a different yeah. ball camp. 
or ballpark. Um, what, yeah. what, what is your, like, what is, what are you saying to founders around time horizon? And what are you saying to LPs around time horizon? Because I've been much happier and more motivated and excited as I've, you know, been like, I'm in this for a long time and yeah. I'm not thinking about, Oh, what's the next thing? It's like, this is a long, long, long game, but a big, totally. but a big win at the end. Exactly. I mean, I, I, um, I really mean this. I, I believe I was put on this planet to do what I'm currently doing, and I can't see myself doing anything else. So to compete with that kind of thing, you have to have that type of uh, uh, outlook on life and be truly high energy with this because you're not it's not always going to be good. It's not always going to be fun. It's going to be difficult at times. So you have to be able to run through walls, literal and figurative walls. And uh, so that's something that we look for. I look for that in the team that, that we've built within Delta Emerald, uh, really high energy people and, and that are really committed to this industry. The, the people that were trying to make a quick buck are, my opinions, most of them are already out. They're, yeah, they that is on true. To, they were going to go they went, on. <laughs> they, they went to crypto and they're doing, I don't know, AI stuff now or whatever. You really need to stick with this, uh, but it, the, the payoff is huge. I mean, uh, I know you've heard us talk about this too, but mark my words, the cannabis industry will be bigger than the alcohol industry. Alcohol is roughly $300 billion in the U.S. today. And I can show you data that suggests that there are people today, say in Oklahoma, that on average spend more on cannabis than the average American spends on alcohol. So this this is part of the reason why we make statements like that, uh, because it's already true in some markets. So it's just a matter of time, and 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 that's that's the prize that that we're playing for is a, a, a world changing plant that uh, it's already happening now. And so just, you gotta hold on. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta hold on to, to, to you just gotta see the other side of it. You gotta see the, and, and you remember at the the craft brewing conference we went to that one slot, I mean, I think we, we, you and I were sitting next to each other and we were looking at the slide around the size of the craft beer industry. And we're like, cannabis is already bigger than From a beer. talent, from a from a talent perspective, yeah. yes. Oh yeah, right from the t- yeah. Can- exactly. Cannabis already employs more people. More people than, than the craft. Than, than, actually, no. It's all be- it's all beer. Actually, yeah. They were counting everybody in uh, the distribution system that, right. that 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 beer runs on. Yeah. Yeah. So and yeah. it's obviously like we're in our early early days mm-hmm. still. Yeah. Um. What other? You know. I know. You know. We've. What was there any other? Major takeaways. One of the things that people were talking about a lot was, you know, rescheduling. Today, I just as we were getting onto this call, I saw something saying that apparently we're. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're going to hear something this week. What was your What was your takeaway on how people were thinking through um, rescheduling and how that will impact their business in the near term and long term? Yeah. So um, the. The, the short answer is that it's positive. It seems like it's more likely than not, but I have never been one to try to call anything right. that happens on a federal basis. And I think we're, we're fortunate that we have not gotten ourselves into trouble trying to game those things out. All that being said, uh, it is a light switch type of moment from a profitability standpoint. 
from the operators themselves. Now, one thing I really want to call out, though, is like even if we hear tomorrow that the DEA has agreed with HHS and is in favor of moving to Schedule 3, that doesn't mean anything yet. There's still a process that we have to go through, and there will be lawsuits. So, um, and just for there, folks listening, there's one, sure. once once the when the DEA comes out and says they agree that cannabis should move to Schedule Three, we move into a 60-day comment period. During that right. time, there's definitely going to be a lawsuit, like everything least, else we've ever had seen. Yes. Anyone that expects these things to happen quickly is always going to get disappointed. But I think to take a step back, this is positive momentum. This is fact patterns that are looking better and better. And another one uh, in the midst of that that's not a federal discussion is what's going on in Florida. It looks more likely than not that, that Florida will go up for ballot for adult use which is other than Texas, the last bastion, when we talk about population uh, hubs with major medical programs that once they flip wreck, uh, it's going to be a, a, a game changer, an absolute game changer from a public perception standpoint. So regardless of what happens at the federal level, you've got these things that are still pushing in, in, right. in, 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 in our favor. So uh, this, so taking trying to finish the thought though, improved profitability and balance sheets across the industry once we actually get uh, Schedule Three is going to lead to higher multiples. Let's say for some of the companies that are currently in existence, no question it's going to drive more capital into the space because investors who are currently doing work on the industry but who do not currently have exposure they think in their heads well okay what happens after schedule three i don't know but it probably makes federal legalization some degree more likely than it is right now and so they try to get ahead of things like that get ahead of a catalyst and you say okay i know that this thing's coming now now how long until the next thing these are all positive momentum factors here. So let me get in ahead of what I see as a, a series of more beneficial things and ahead of other people that are yet precluded from getting involved. So they can explain to themselves why they feel like now is a good time to get involved. And I'll admit, six months ago, we didn't have this level of clarity. So I, I don't blame someone who was doing work six months ago to say, ah, do I really need to act right now? They didn't, and and they didn't really need to. But now you're seeing some real movement happen that kind of gives people a little bit more of that FOMO that that has not been existent in the cannabis industry for, I'd argue, at least a year, year plus. I'm really hoping that Florida, I I think if Florida goes adult use, we'll need to open the Vanxed Delta Emerald Miami office. (laughs) That's right. Right now, I just Um, work from home right now, but Florida is going to get... Yeah. For, yeah. Uh, to I'll to be, be clear, like, yeah, you can. Uh, what's funny about Florida and really any state? I mean, I was in uh, Georgia the other day. Um, these, these, uh, the, you go into any smoke shop today in the U.S., you can find cannabis products. Am right. I happy with that? No. I want <laughs> safe. I want safe products in the hands of consumers. And my guess is most of those products are not safe because they're not being tested. So, uh, but but I, I, I share this because 
it, it's an indication of the consumer's level of demand for this product. When it's made available, people buy it. Yep. And that and nowhere is that more true than in hemp beverages today. Uh, but but it's true across the board. And I do think what you were just saying around like, you know, maybe six months ago, people were waiting on the sidelines. But it's unfortunate because the prices have been so low. It's like you're never going to get like if I was so, if I was an investor, an LP, I would be trying to invest in a fund now so that these people like you can get into these deals at I mean, it's not going to go. It's not going to get any less expensive than it is right now. Right. I think prices are going to go up. So now it's, it feels to me like now is the time to be doing deals. And if you're a consolidator and you have an opportunity to do a deal, it seems like like now's the moment um, to do it. But I understand people are, are very risk adverse. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely not market timers uh, and we're not trying to pick bottoms here. Um, I generally agree with you that if these things do come to pass, like schedule three, for instance, prices are going higher for assets uh, across the board because more money will be able to come into the space than currently is in the space. Right. And that capital has to find relatively few assets, relatively few teams that know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> and so you pay a premium for those things. And that, yeah. that's, that's how it yeah. literally works. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, it's, I think no matter how you look at it, this last year was tough for, for everybody, if you think about it. But I think there's just my takeaway from the conference was there's like, like a new level of excitement coming in back into the space Everybody's so. really optimistic. We're excited about, you know, rescheduling, even though we know it's going to be a long road. That's like a positive win for the industry. Ohio was a big win. Florida could be a big win. So I felt like when I was talking to people, everybody was pumped up and excited. And that is something yeah. that uh, I would say in 2023, you know, to, to, I'll tell you a true story. It, it ended up working out. 2023, I went to CanadaDataCon and listened to everybody talk just about like the need to cut costs. Um, you know, I'm listening to everybody talk about the need to cut costs, how they're all going into layoffs. That was in 2023 at CanadaCon. And I left CanadaCon and I drove to my investor, Andrea Hippo's house in Florida. And I said to her, like, we got to cut like half our team, like massive layoffs across cannabis are coming. This is bad. Like I left CanadaCon about to have a panic attack last year. And anyway, we did the cuts, thank God. And we, we, good thing because everybody did. And mm -hmm. That made us stronger this year. I didn't leave CanadaCon this year in a state of panic attack. I actually left being like calling this guy that's doing a sales training, being like, I need to do three sales trainings because I need to ramp up a few more salespeople to get ready to hit the gas. So I yeah. left less in a state of a panic uh, this year than last year. And so last year, basically what I learned from the conference came to fruition. And I'm hoping this year the same <laughs> thing happens because it will be significantly more positive. Yeah. You're trying to front run the industry on uh, what you hear at CanadaCon. I love it. You it's, should. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's. I'll, I'll share one thing, and and this is a, an individual that I uh, have gotten to know better through CanadaCon is Ankur uh, from C3 Industries, the yes. CEO. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I thought he was great. He did. Uh, he was on multiple panels and did one a phenomenal with job. Too. Yeah, I love. I love. Yeah, him. and and. Uh, one thing I learned about that, that uh, about the industry is, you know, he has operations in Missouri, Michigan, a uh, number of states, but Michigan is a microcosm of this industry. It went through a, a run up and then it had its kind of moment of despair or period of time of that. 
and now you have a rationalization. You pushed out some uh, irrational actors, let's say, and now the the players that are in that game right now are doing pretty well in a very competitive market yep. because they've learned not to let's say discount each other into oblivion, and they've figured out how they can um, all coexist and get customers what they want and actually make a profit doing it. And so if Michigan can do it, I think any state in this union can do it. Completely agree. Well, Ian, I know we're running out of time here, but the conference was great. If you're listening, you should sign up for CanadaDataCon 2025. I'm sure the dates will be announced sooner than later. And yeah, it's always great having you on. I'm excited to catch up in the summer and see what see where we go. And I'm excited to be go to CanadaDataCon next year. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be in very early February, uh, but we haven't announced any dates yet. And uh, we'll also be releasing, uh, for those who weren't able to uh, catch the live stream or in person, we'll be releasing videos. Everything was recorded uh, except for one uh, panel, um, which is uh, uh, some people that were wanted to, they were in the tobacco industry. And so they didn't want they're, uh, they were not ready to be live broadcast across the world. So I totally get that. I bet you by next year, they'll be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Ian, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks so much for having me, Carson. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.